Have you ever thought about how you wound up like here today? Like all of us this morning are in the Ruby and it's like, what, like 9.20 a.m. and you're here. And have you ever stopped and went, okay, how did I actually get here? And I'm not talking about like the existential question, like where did creation come from? Because that gets really trippy, right? <laughs> Thinking about eternity, it like boggles my mind. But I'm just talking about like, since you've been on earth, have you ever thought about the journey that led you here? Because if you do, it actually is pretty crazy. If you trace all the dominoes, that had to fall which certain ways for you to end up in the chair you're in this morning. So like, I was actually thinking about my journey uh, and how I got to Ethos. So I won't start from when I was a baby, all right? I'll start from when I was at Belmont to prevent me from telling an hour-long story that you don't care about, all right? So how I got to Ethos, all right? It all started when I went to Belmont University. In my freshman year, I was in this class called First Year Writing. And uh, I was given this project. And uh, has anyone done First Year Writing at Belmont? Maddie, brought, shout out, all right. Um, so I was in this class and the teacher gave an assignment that now that I think about it was really just trying to get her students plugged into campus life. But the assignment was, hey, find an organization, find a group, a social club, get plugged in, be a part of it for a few weeks and then write a paper about it, assess it. What are they doing well? What could they do better? How could you be of help? Which now that that's like a really, that's, Sneaky, right? They're just trying to get you plugged in. But so I go in and I'm like, man, I just need to get this done so I can like pass this class. And uh, there's this friend of mine who has this Bible study with like three or four guys. And I'm like, this is perfect. This is so low key. This will not take much for me. All right. So I joined this little Bible study and uh, I'm there for a few weeks. And as I'm there, I'm like, I'm starting to get kind of passionate about it. I'm like, wait, this could be more. We could do more on this campus. And so for my first year writing assignment, I show up and in front of my class, I give a presentation on it. I said, here's how my experience went with this Bible study. Um, here's what I think it could be. And I, and I got kind of passionate. I have a tendency to do that. And I was like really talking about it, right? And after that first year writing class, or after that project, um, these two girls went to me and they ended up being friends of mine to this day, uh, Kaylee and Kenny. And they were like, hey, as you were talking, we just, we feel like God was telling us we need to know you and, and we need to be friends and we love God. It seems like you love God and, and we should be friends. And so that started this friendship. And specifically my friendship with Kaylee um, is really important here because she worked at the Rock Wall at Belmont, all right? And I went to the Rock Wall exactly zero days uh, until that point. But because I was friends with Kaylee, she ends up taking me to the Rock Wall and I meet this guy named Cyrus, all right? Now picture when you think of a, of a Persian prince with like black curly, beautiful hair and like a silky black shiny beard that you could never grow yourself. That's exactly what Cyrus looks like. Like if you Google King Cyrus, the Cyrus I'm talking about, I'm not kidding, looks like King Cyrus of old, all right? So I meet Cyrus and uh, immediately we hit it off. He's a few years older than me. And uh, man, we just, uh, I was an idiot and ridiculous and he thought I was kind of funny. And so we kind of hit it off and I thought he was very wise and smart. And so we hung out. He starts discipling me and he invites me to Ethos Church. I'd never heard of Ethos. And the first time I went to Ethos, Brandon Steele was preaching. I still remember what he was preaching about, about Peter and Jesus on the shore. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And as Brandon was preaching, I was like, whoa, this is my church home. I love this. Kept going back, I heard Dave Clayton preach. And when I heard Dave preach, I went, I'm gonna know Dave as best as I can. I will stalk him for as long as I need to. This guy gets it and I wanna know him. Ended up talking Dave into an internship and blah, 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 six years later, here I am, all right? It's amazing. Because like, it's like, in one way, it's just like, okay, yeah, I'm, the, I'm a pastor at Ethos. It, it all makes sense. I always wanted to be a pastor. But another way, I was in first year writing, giving a presentation just so I could pass a class. When I met Kaylee, who introduced me to Cyrus, who introduced me to, to Ethos, who introduced me to Dave and Brandon, and now I'm here. And if you've ever done that before, it's kind of crazy to think about. Like, I wouldn't have guessed that a, a project that I didn't really care a whole lot about, but ended up caring a lot about 
would get me to the, like this dream place of being a pastor of a church. And I don't know if you've ever done that before, but it can be kind of cool because when I look at my story, I go, man, God was clearly a part of that. Like, I'm so glad that who, no one went to that first year writing class on that afternoon thinking, I bet God's gonna show up today. Like, that's just not what you go to English thinking about. Like, it, but it happened. And maybe you've done that, but I, I wonder what your story would be like if you retrace your story of how you ended up to the Ruby today. Why are you in Nashville right now? How'd you get there? What dominoes had to fall? Because the truth is, I believe you're here for a reason. I don't think it was an accident. I don't, I don't think it was a coincidence or just just random chain of events and this just happens to be your situation. I believe God is in this, that he's involved in this. And we ended last week with me saying like, hey, if you're in Nashville, if you call Nashville home or whatever city you call home, God has placed you there. It is not an accident. He has something for you. And this morning, we're gonna talk a little bit about what it looks like for us as a church as we wrap up this series for the city. And really, we're just beginning getting into the city of Nashville. But as we wrap this up, we're gonna talk about praying for the city of Nashville. And as I was going to sleep last night, I had this random thought uh, come across my mind. And I hope I can make it make sense. But it was so like prevalent in my mind. I, I told Leah about it and she was trying to sleep. I was like, I need to tell you an idea that I feel like God might've just given me. You know, in our culture, um, there's nothing much worse than someone speaking about something important out of ignorance. You know, like that's just not fun. Like when you get on Twitter and people are talking about important things and then someone just out of emotion and passion just yells what they believe, but you can tell they have no backing. They haven't studied it. They just have their like feelings and you're just like, gosh, I don't even have time for this person. Like I have my like seven point list as to why I believe something and they're just like screaming at me. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that annoying when you can tell that someone's just ignorant? They haven't actually thought about it. They just believe it because they believe it. And then you assume all these bad things about them. Am I the only one that does that? I'm the only sinner here. Sorry, Lord, me and you will deal with that and you guys can help me lead me to repentance. You know, it's just kind of annoying. But as I was thinking about that, it was like one of these epiphanies that in one second, I felt like God gave me like this big life lesson. And God was like, Joshua, the greatest seasons of your life, I wouldn't consider myself wise, but the greatest seasons of wisdom in your life, of knowledge, of learning, of teaching was when you were walking in intimacy with me. And when you're not walking in intimacy with me, you're that person speaking out of ignorance. I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like God was telling me that if the people of God are going to be the people of God, it has to start with them being people of God in the presence of God. No one likes to get on Twitter and no one likes to get into intellectual debates with someone who's ignorant and is ignorant to their own ignorance. But God was like, when you come and you talk about me and you talk about Christian ideas and you talk about what you believe about the Bible, but you haven't been in my presence, you are that person. And I feel like God was telling me, you cannot be a man of God without being in the thickness of my presence. You have to hear from my spirit. It's not just reading the Bible alone. It's not just coming to church. It's not just having a set of beliefs, although those things are helpful. It's being in the presence of God, being in the spirit of God. And if we as a church are gonna impact the city of Nashville, we have to be a people that love, that pledge their lives to being in the presence of the living God and listening to his spirit. Does that make sense? Am I, is this hitting at all right now? Like, it's so crazy how easy it is to just fall in line with a set of beliefs, to read the word, to do church, but to neglect the one place that Jesus is like, hey, when you're here, your father in heaven who sees you, loves you, he will bless you. Where's that place? It's the inner closet. It's the private place. And if we're gonna be a church that reaches our city, that if we ever had to close our doors, our city would feel it, it will start with us being a people of prayer. 
It will start with us being a people that hear from the Holy Spirit of God who's real. And some of us today, even as I say that, it's hard to believe that the Holy Spirit's real because we haven't spent the time necessary in the private place to hear from God. Um, But today I just wanna invite us into the presence of the Lord. And prayer is like, in theory, the sexiest topic, because it's like, that's where, you, that's where you, like, you deal with the Lord. It's a beautiful place. But in reality, it can be like the least sexy, most boring topic, because it's like kind of hard, and it can feel monotonous. But we're gonna go there, all right? You guys ready? Okay. All right, I wanna tell you a story about Dave Clayton, okay? Uh, this is actually, if you heard the podcast from the cannery, um, this is something he talked about last week. And as he talked about it, I felt like it was really important for our church to hear because we're gonna step into something church-wide that's gonna be really awesome, and I want you to know the backstory of it. Um, So if you don't know Dave Clayton, 10 years ago, he and his wife, Sydney, they planted this church ethos uh, at the cannery, all right? Now, this is, we're like four years old here, but the ethos started 10 years ago, and um, Dave is like one of my best friends and has been just a huge discipler of my life. Like, other than my parents, no one's impacted my life more than him, and it's been so fun walking with him and just watching how God has just like been all over his life, and uh, a few years ago, uh, or maybe it was last year during Fast Forward, um, Dave would tell this story where he was praying. If you don't know what Fast Forward is, every February, our church takes 30 days uh, to fast and pray together towards something. Um, so we just like fast from food or social media or, or random things. We'll get there when we get there and we'll talk about it more, but we fast and we pray together. And as Dave was going through this fast, he was sitting at the table, and I referenced story, this story last week, um, coincidentally, but he was eating breakfast and he was praying over his son Judah. And he said he felt so clearly God asked him, you know, hey, what would you do if Judah went missing? You remember that when I said this last week? He's like, what would you do if your son went missing? And, and Dave was just kind of like that inner dialogue was like, you know what I'd do? It'd be my number one job description. Like my calendar would suddenly become completely free. I would have nothing to do other than find Judah. Like that's, that's what I would do. Like you try to call me. If you're not looking for Judah, we have nothing to talk about, right? It makes sense, right? Any father would do that for their child. Any parent would do that for a child. And what he felt like God put on his heart was, God said like, hey, my kids are missing and no one in the church is looking for them. Like, there's no search and rescue team. And right now, I need you to know that I'm putting a calling on your life to wake up a search and rescue team. And so Dave kept continuing praying about this and a few days later as he was praying, he felt like God told him, hey, raise up intercessors for every person in the city of Nashville. And if you've ever had God put a, a, weighty, a weighty dream on your mind, the first thing you think of is, okay, that's not possible. So let's find the plan B of what I just heard, and then we'll do it from there. We'll water this thing down, and we'll make it happen. And I'll walk in obedience of the plan B of what you said, okay, <laughs> right? So Dave said he hears like this, like this like calling, like, okay, like every person in Nashville, like we need an intercessor for every person praying for them. He didn't really know what to do with that. He's been praying about it. And then on Sunday night, here's a plug for you. Dave was at the prayer gathering, which takes place every week at seven o'clock at the cannery. And uh, Dave was there at the prayer gathering and uh, he said that as he was praying, uh, a man walked up to him and said, Dave, um, I feel like God's telling me to tell you this. Did you know that you can purchase a list of names of every resident in Nashville and their address? He said, you can do that. He goes, I don't know why you need to know that, but I just, I know that you need to know that that's available to you. And Dave Dave said this in his sermon last week. He was like, I don't know what I looked like, but I know my eyes got really big because I was like, okay, well, now something's going on here, right? Like I just had this this weighty like feel of like we need to raise up intercessors. Let me see where, I'm not looking at my notes anymore at all. Okay, Um, I need to raise up intercessors for the city. I don't know how it's gonna happen. It's too big, it's too crazy. Um, But now this person's saying, hey, do you know you can purchase a list of every name with their address? Like, oh my goodness. And 
And the first thing Dave said he felt was just being overwhelmed. Like, what? How? How is ethos going to do that? And then he said immediately he felt God saying, I didn't say raise up intercessors from like your church. I said like raise up intercessors from the churches of Nashville. And so this has been a dream that's been on Dave's heart. He's been praying about. And so over the past like six months at least, I really don't know the timeline, um, he's been praying and thinking about like what could it look like to reach out to, to churches in Nashville and to ask us all to join together and to begin praying for our city. And is it possible that we could get enough people to join together, that we could intercede and pray on behalf of every single resident in Nashville? And throughout this process, he's had over 160 churches commit to doing this so far. 160 churches. I was at a, uh, a lunch just the other month where I think we had probably 150, 160 pastors, just pastors walk into this big room, eat a meal, and worship the Lord as Dave like, casted vision over this. And it was pretty insane, honestly. It's very rare that you saw all those demographics in the same room, right? But over 160 churches have committed to doing this, that, that when February rolls around in 2019, um, we will not be doing Fast Forward alone. That we're gonna have over 160 churches doing it with us. Um, these include white churches, black churches, a lot of non-English speaking churches, charismatic churches, conservative churches, We have thousands and thousands of people. Right now, the guest meeting is 20,000 people so far have committed uh, to being a part of this February fast forward to pray for our city. And at the end of the fast, every church participating is gonna get a list of names and we're gonna try to write a letter to every resident that lives in the city of Nashville after praying for them. You tell me. Obviously, plenty of people have said, hey, this probably won't work, all right? <laughs> like, churches don't play well together. Um, it's hard to get them to share a meal together, much less like do ministry together. There's just a lot of red tape forever and always if you've ever tried to do this. Like, it's pretty hard. Um, Americans aren't super keen on prayer and especially fasting, you know? Like, if I miss like my like 10 a.m. snack in between breakfast and lunch to hold me over, I'm like, you know what? This is a little tough. God, I'm gonna need your strength. Like, I'm gonna need you here. I didn't get my, my granola this morning. That's not what I ever eat. Um, anyway, but there's plenty of reasons that, that something like this, that, that gathering together as a church with 160 plus, and the numbers are still growing in February, it might not work. And you know what? We might come here in January and go, hey guys, the beautiful plan we said, it broke down for a number of reasons, right? But so far, the pieces are coming together where we think this is gonna happen. There's also reasons it will work. Um, one of those reasons is like the promises of God. We just read in Jeremiah and in Second Chronicles. Like if the people of God uh, humble themselves, humble, humble them, I don't know what that word was gonna be. If they'll humble themselves and come before the Lord, like he will heal, he will heal their land. He will answer, he will respond. And another reason that we can trust like the promises of God is really the proof of history. Um, both in scripture and outside of scripture, you'll be hard pressed to find a movement of God a revival that didn't first start with prayer. Um, Like over and over again, like all the way back to Exodus, you think about the Egyptians and the Israelites and the Israelites crying for 400 years and it says that God heard them. He heard their cries and he sends Moses and delivers them. I wanna tell you a story that I did not know until Dave taught it to me, okay? But this is very cool. So at the end of the 1700s, there were only 16 states in America and the two newest states were actually Kentucky and Tennessee. 
And I, I never knew this, but people actually considered at this time Kentucky and Tennessee to be the most godless states. So robbers, horse thieves, you guys know about that prevailing problem in Middle Tennessee, right? The horse thieves, horse thieves, robbers, they would escape, murderers, they would escape over the Appalachian Mountains and go and live in Kentucky and Tennessee. And they basically dare uh, authorities to come and try to pursue them there because they were all gathered together. And it was really dangerous. It was considered a really dark place. And this pastor named James McCready in Pennsylvania had a church of 13 people. And they believed that God had called them to start praying for Logan County, Kentucky, just one of the dark places in a dark state. And so these 13 people and this pastor started praying for this area. And they felt so like led by the spirit to pray for this specific spot that they actually all picked up and moved. They moved to Logan County. And they began praying and ministering. And around 1800, revival broke out. And people began coming to the Lord left and right. And this is kind of the birthplace to what we now call the Bible Belt, right? You would never guess that out of all the states in the country, like Kentucky and Tennessee, like that's, the, that's the scary places you don't wanna go there, right? You just picture like cows and hay, maybe. Maybe I just do that. <laughs> But at one point, this area, and Logan County is like 45 minutes from here. It's not even like right here. It's like our neighbor. At one point, this area was considered a dark place where only the worst of the worst would escape to go and live in their sin and their darkness. And yet a group of 13 people, which is insane, moved to Logan County, begin praying, and revival breaks out. And now we call this the Bible Belt. This is the place with a church on every corner. And it was not always that way. That was not always the stereotype of this area that we live in. And yet this is what happened. And you know what Dave was saying is, he sensed that God wants to do this again. That God didn't like do these like amazing things in the book of Exodus, in the book of Acts, and in the 1700s, that he didn't like leave his like great works in the past, that we could talk about him and have wishful thinking about our current situation, but that God actually really wants to move in our city again. And we look around and we see a dark culture and we see hopelessness and we see a lack of belief and even the best of the best Christians, they feel doubt and despair and Say just this, this word from God that, man, where, where the night is at its darkest, the gospel shines the brightest. Like this situation that we're in, this time and place that we live in, calls for the gospel of Christ. It calls for the power of God. This moment we're in is God's calling card. We're in that moment in history where a time is at its darkest, and then all of a sudden, God does the unthinkable. He overcomes the odds, and people go, whoa, clearly God is working at something. And so I want to take some time as a church um, to do something together, which is very predictable at this point. Guess what we're about to do together? We are going to pull out our phones, but I was thinking pray. But yes, pull out your phones because I'm going to give you prayer points. All right, that was great. So please pull out your phones and we're about to pray together. And, uh, you know, this isn't one of those moments where I just gave you like some emotional hype pep talk where you're like, yeah, let's go storm the city. This is one of those moments where all of us are gonna have to find some self-starter in us in seeking the spirit of God. I love to, can we show that slide um, that uh, after last week, after we taught um, and just talked about like loving the city, Susanna Stapler, one of our family members here who's in Atlanta right now, she couldn't be here, so shout out Susanna. She said that uh, as we were praying, I was like, hey, you're in this city for a reason. Pray for a certain location. Where are you? Why does God have you there? And she said that immediately God put a specific location on her mind to begin praying for and also gave her this image and uh, she said she just had to make it. And if you don't know, this is the heart, the aorta, as some might call it. And then inside where it looks like there's veins, it's actually the streets of Nashville, if you haven't already picked up on that. And she designed that in like three hours. She, gave, she sent that to me like Sunday at 4 p.m. 
It's like, Suzanne, that's amazing. Um, that's very, very cool. And so when she sent that to me, I was like, man, one, it's so cool that someone in our family is this gifted and talented and anointed. And two, I thought it was like a great representation of like what we wanna be. Like just praying for the heart of Nashville, just praying for our city. And so at some point, I'm hoping to like make a print out of this so you can have it as a reminder. But isn't that kind of cool? Does that look as cool as I think it looks? Isn't that kind of neat? Um, so I wanna take some time to pray together as a church and now we're gonna circle up, but I wanna have three prayer points. And this is where I want you to pull out your phones or pull out a pen, I want you to write this down because we're not just praying about this today. We're gonna pray about this for months as we roll into February. Um, first, I want you to pray that God gives our churches a heart of unity. Pray that God gives our churches a heart of unity. There are a thousand things that divide each of us. Just all the time we're, we're running into intersections like, oh, we're different there. Oh, we don't agree there. We don't believe the same thing. But right now, um, we need our churches to be unified in a way that just like displays the anointing of God on this, on this city. Um, in John 17, 21, Jesus says that the, the world will see Jesus when he sees how much you love each other. When you love each other, you walk in unity, talking to the disciples, um, they will know, oh, Jesus is from God. These people, this unity, this love that, that, that cannot be broken, this is something bigger. This is like not of, this is not of like human creation. Like the God, the real true God, Jesus is a part of this. And so first just pray that churches would be unified as we continue reaching out, as we continue coming together. Secondly, pray that God would feel, fill our churches with spiritual hunger Jesus says that when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. I just wonder, when's the last time you felt yourself hungry, thirsty for righteousness? Think about what it's like to be hungry and your stomach starts grumbling and it really doesn't matter what's in front of you, you are going to eat. Like, hey, can we press pause on this? I gotta go grab food. Like that's at least, it's me. For righteousness, you will be filled. Pray that this church that churches in Nashville would have like grumbling spiritual stomachs, hungry for the righteousness of God, that we wouldn't be entitled, pushing our own agenda, that we wouldn't carry our own banner, but that we would carry the banner of Jesus, that we would hunger for the righteousness of God. Third, that God, third and last, God would give the people of our city an awareness of their need for God and his love for them that God would give the people of our city an awareness that they need God and that God loves them. That they don't need a God who's cold and distant and that might respond, but that they need a God that loves them and is waiting to respond. These are the three prayer points. And I want us to begin praying as a church. And let me just say this. Prayer, um, it's very rarely that we think super practically about spiritual practices, but anytime you're training a four-year-old to ride a bike, you typically start them out on like a tricycle, right? And then you very carefully walk with them on a regular bike, right? Like you, you don't expect someone to get on a bike and just pedal away and just like, just be incredible and then go on a mountain, go down a trail and never fall, right? That doesn't make any sense. That breaks all logic. You don't expect the first time you pick up a basketball to make a three-pointer, right? Anything you're trying to learn, you don't expect to be excellent at it at first. And you know, so often I think that we can carry this pressure that we're gonna get in a circle and pray. And when it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel super normal or super awesome, we just get discouraged. It's like, oh, that wasn't, that, that wasn't as sexy. It didn't feel as like awesome as I would hope praying for the city of Nashville and revival in our city would feel. And I just like to say, be patient. Give yourself like grace and time. 
prayer, even intimacy with God is something that is built just like you and every friendship you have. Over time, it gets strengthened, that bond grows. And so as we pray for our city, if this is your step one, treat it as such. Like pray for our city and then tomorrow, do it again. And the next day, do it again. And then watch, because slowly and surely, you're gonna start hearing from God. He's gonna start speaking and your heart's gonna soften and you're gonna start hungering more and more for righteousness. But be easy on yourself or that may be the right language. Yeah, don't be too hard on yourself if prayer doesn't feel normal, if you're right. Okay, so let's move into a time of praying together. So I'm gonna invite you to go and grab communion from one of these four communion tables, to circle up chairs and to pray over these three prayer points. Um, just straight up, however you wanna do that. If you wanna pray one for each category, whatever it is. But if you're here and you're like, man, that's really uncomfortable for me. Like I came here to like kind of do my own thing and you don't wanna do that, please just pray at your seat. Uh, there is no obligation here. But if you're willing, circle up. If you got people in your circle you don't know, introduce yourself. But let's take a few minutes to begin this journey of praying for our city in these three prayer points, all right? Praying for our hunger, our unity, and our awareness of our need for God, all right? So I'm gonna pray, we'll go get communion and then... Uh...